Welcome to the New Flesh Podcast. My name is Brett Arnold at Brett Redacted on Twitter, and uh, I'm back today with uh, frequent New Flesh collaborator as of late, Jesse Hassinger. He Hi is, there. He's back better than ever. We're, uh, <laughs> it's, sun, it's Monday night, actually, and we're uh, doing it via Skype again. Um, and we're here to talk about... Uh, a big movie. The it had a big week, a big opening weekend, a thirty million dollar ish opening weekend for uh, Lee Wannell's The Invisible Man, uh, a, a man's name who I have mispronounced on this podcast several <laughs> times. I don't know if it's I've heard uh, Lee Wannell, Lay Wannell. I don't know what the fuck it is. I don't know if Jesse knows. I have no idea. I was Great. just thinking about that. Cool. Well, then I'll just barrel through. <laughs> We're talking about The Invisible Man, starring Elizabeth Moss. Uh, released by Universal and made and or and yeah made by Blumhouse, um, in what was a total uh, I don't know what you call it a total about face for the dark universe, which was th- <laughs> this movie was once supposed to be part of a connected cinematic universe tied with you know all of Universal's monsters. So like Dracula Untold was I believe retroactively supposed to be part of the dark universe yes. Yes. which is my favorite part and then like the first real one after like announcing that, that that's what it was was The Mummy which famously I mean I had to argue with people on Twitter about this for some fucking reason but uh famously I would say bombed that movie had a reported budget of like if you include you know print and advertising and it's insanely ballooning budget I think I've seen reports of it being like $345 million or something. So like when you hear that the mummy made 400 million worldwide, it sounds pretty good. But when you consider how much it cost and the fact that on uh, 80 million of that was, you know, domestic, so that it was not a hit here, regardless of how much money it cleaned up uh, abroad. Um, so yeah, that movie, all that to say that uh, the mummy did so bad that universal decided holy shit, we need to stop this cinematic universe, put pause on the Johnny Depp Invisible Man, get the Javier Bardem Frankenstein, uh, put it back on the shelf, the Angelina Jolie Bride of Frankenstein. I actually don't know what's happening with that. I think that one is still in limbo. But the new focus of uh, Universal Monsters is now a more uh, a buy-each-film approach rather than Let's try to make all these things connected. So the first of the new, quote-unquote, not Dark Universe, <laughs> Universal <laughs> Monsters movies. It's really confusing, isn't it? It's way, it more, it's way more complex than it needs to be. If only someone from Prodigum could step in and explain more of it to us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah. So here we are with 2020 Invisible Man, which Universal did the only smart move that they had in their arsenal which was give it to Jason Blum because uh, instead of making another hundred plus million dollar studio shitty movie that's written by committee or whatever you want to call it. um, Instead, we got a movie like it was page one rewritten by Lee Wannell, who's writing and directing, which is like unique of this type of film. I would say like this caliber of movie, you don't often get a writer director. It's just kind of, you know, usually a director for hire on something like this. Um, so it's really exciting that we have this version of the Invisible Man and not the 
<laughs> Johnny Depp starring. I don't even want to know what that would look like. like I, I, it would be an entirely <laughs> different movie because this movie, we'll get into it a little bit. Uh, it, you know, it, I would say it turns the original H.G. Wells story on its head a little bit. Um, and it's just a really clever adaptation. Uh, I'm bearing the, I mean, I don't want to talk, I talked at length about it already. It's been four minutes, Jesus Christ. Um, I'll let Jesse speak for a second. Uh, what's going on? How's your week? <laughs> Have you watched a lot of stuff beyond, uh, besides this? Besides the Invisible Man, um, I just came back from seeing The Way Back with Ben Affleck, which is about as, well, I mean, it's, it's of a certain genre, but it's not of the horror, science fiction, fantasy genres. No, I want to hear about it because this is a movie that uh, appeals to me as a fan of, I don't know, I'm interested in Ben Affleck's career. Sure, <laughs> uh, we're all, aren't we all rooting for Ben Affleck for some reason that we I, can't pinpoint? Yeah, exactly. We all are. Uh, this is that movie, I don't know, the trailer is just like the most like sappy, like this is a inspirational movie bait about a sad alcoholic man and it's going to mirror, <laughs> I'm assuming, Ben Affleck's real life uh, re, you know, rehabilitation and uh, alcohol problems, and that's why it's probably so impactful. Jesse, was it good? Uh, you know, it was not bad. I, um, it's it's definitely like a dad movie play, and within that, I found myself more sympathetic to those in the last few years. Even before I became a dad, I was just like kind of ready for my your Jack Reachers and your uh, Ford v Ferraris. Yes, this is it's not super sappy because I think it takes some aspects of that this kind of genre or these touchstones seriously it's kind of a hybrid recovery movie and underdog sports movie like a and i was kind of impressed with with how it treats the the recovery stuff it gives it a little bit of a neither here nor there quality it's a little grittier than like you know, disney used to make these like coach movies like once a year uh yeah i can this... think of a glory road i want to say is one of them yes <laughs> Josh Lucas. I don't know why that was the first one I thought of. No, but me it's... too, because it's a basketball movie. Totally, I was thinking about Glory. Uh, the fr- I thought about Glory Road for the first time in years when I saw <laughs> this movie. Yeah, um, there was a lot of these for a minute. Um, it's a little less family friendly. There's some swearing. Um, it's a little more, you know, the the situation Affleck finds himself in is a little more bleak than like, oh, a yeah, guy's he's down like living in his father's footsteps type of deal. Like, I don't know. The trailer makes it seem like. His father a, only loved him because he was good at sports or something. I don't yeah, know. there's there's a lot of sad backstory. I did like it. Affleck's good in it. You know, I I, I like Affleck when he's sort of ba- down at his down on his heels or whatever. But you don't like him when the, he's in Live by Night wearing literally several hats throughout the whole <laughs> film. I kind of did like Live by Night just because I don't know. I just enjoyed the like opulence and like kind of indulgent stupidity of it. Oh, I loved that watching it. I was just like, oh, they spent money making this, didn't they? Yeah, and then like it made what... it made none of it back. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there, I feel like I, he's one of those stars where I do sometimes detect a kind of note of I wouldn't say self congratulation or or kind of you know self regard even when he plays you know, down at his heels types, but there's a little of that sneaks in, in a weird way. The way this backstory like goes a little further than what Affleck has presumably been through in his real life, uh-huh. make it kind of weird. Um, but you know, it's, it's, I found it, you know, I was, I was not bored. I found it like fairly moving and Affleck's good. It's weird because Affleck is like vastly more famous than anyone else in it. There's like no, Oh, who's this? Who's the friend? It's like a second is a character actor or whatever. Like the second most famous person in it is Michaela Watkins, who I like a lot from SNL and from lots of comic roles. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, but th- there's like no, I mean, the, the familiar faces, if you see a lot of movies, it's but directed not by even like, Gavin O'Connor. Is that right? Yes. 
That's correct. The, from did, Warrior? Yeah. I think he made Warrior. Yes, he did do Warrior. And I want to say, um, more recently, he didn't he do The Accountant with him? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he and Affleck back together again. This is a little more respectable than The Accountant, although it's less hilarious. So The Accountant you know, is such... I mean, that movie was a hit, which is hilarious. Like, I don't know what, <laughs> what made that movie a hit. Did people just want... An action movie at that time of the year? Did did people connect with the autistic backstory? <laughs> like, what was it? I think that's a great example of how people, like, sometimes get really hungry for something, like, kind of, you know, old-fashioned right. in terms of... I mean, that, that movie is not old-fashioned in that it's not, like, a, a classically made, like, you know, piece, piece of craftsmanship. But right. it is, like, you know, it's got that airport novel quality that I feel like once in a while people go for it <laughs> totally and that's weird looking at his imdb uh gavin o'connor actually did one a sports movie famously he did a miracle i did not know yeah, that yeah yeah kurt well, russell's warriors miracle kind of a, warriors kind of a sports movie oh, yeah, yeah it's true I, I mean warrior kind of why did that movie get overshadowed there was another boxing or something movie at that same fucking time as warrior was it the fighter <laughs> i don't know what it was it was around the same time i feel like it was the one that did the least business of a bunch of boxing fighting movies yeah, uh, and now I think that, that that officially ended with Southpaw, and yes. um, uh, what's the other one with Miles Teller that I saw and no one else saw? Um, oh. God, I don't know. It was based on a true story about a guy who got super fucked up while fighting and then had to recover and went back to do it. God, what was that movie <laughs> called? Did you see that? I, yeah, I did not see it. All right, or if so I did, I forgot about it completely. It's called Bleed for This. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, wow. That movie is, that's a movie that does not exist. Um <laughs> And, uh, okay, so that was all to say The Way Back is pretty good. I actually just saw everyone on Twitter's like, like, Bromesco thought it was really good and did not expect to like it. A few other people said they cried their eyes out. It seems like yeah, it's going to be some... a crowd pleaser. Uh, yeah, I think people are going to like it. And, and it's, it's, O'Connor knows what he's doing. It's not it like, it feels like an A-plus cinema score movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is there anything else you saw this week? I, I went to see Onward with my family on Saturday. How was that? Because it looks very fucking strange. Um, I would say it's a weird thing, and I'm, I'm hoping to write about this somewhere, about how uh, the kind of emotional component is really interesting, and I found it really moving and like and cried a bunch. Uh, but the kind of normal Pixar crowd-blazing stuff, like the fun buddy comedy, is like kind of lame and not very funny and kind of DreamWorks-y. Oh, uh, um, weird. But it, but it's I, I mean it's a good movie. It's beautifully animated, and the, there's the world of it is very cool. I just like it's one of those things where where you're I was just going wow this like really needed to sound not to sound like a hack, but it really needed like a punch up. Like it needed a comedy punch up to make it funnier. They needed to get uh, Scott Ackerman in there to to, to, <laughs> to Shark Tale it. Yeah. <laughs> but I did find it moving, and like and it's you know continues the Pixar thing of like even if it's not a great one, it'll probably yank at the heartstrings pretty there's well. There's only one I have not seen. And I want to, can you guess which Pixar movie I haven't seen? I don't know why you would be able to. But. Uh, I feel like it's either The Good Dinosaur or one of the cars is. Holy shit, you were right. <laughs> it's The Good Dinosaur. Is it? A, is I it, like The Dinosaur good? a lot. It's uh, It's Good Dinosaur? It's very, It's a good dinosaur. He's like, what What do you want from him? He's a good dinosaur. <laughs> it it's was on. To it, but yeah. I'll, I'll take a strange one over the, you know, over Cars 3. Yeah, I guess you're, okay, I guess I lied because I haven't seen Cars 3. I think I saw Cars 2. <laughs> Um, and uh, Planes isn't Pixar, right? Planes is no, like a it's junky in the world spin-off. Of cars, but it's not. Uh, it's not made by Pixar. It's so it's in the Cars cinematic universe, the CCU, yes. if you will. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yes. Got it. 
All right. Um, before we get to the Invisible Man, uh, let's do a few bits and pieces because Jesse is gracious and down to listen to me talk about the news and hopefully participate in some conversation about the news. Uh, actually, just happened tonight. James Lipton, uh, creator and host of Inside the Actor Studio, uh, died at 93. He was 93 years old. Yeah, that's um, crazy. It's crazy. He did not look it. He was still doing the show, as far as I know, like pretty recently. Um, he passed away from bladder cancer. Very sad. Um, if you don't know, I mean, I don't think anyone listening doesn't know who James Lipton is. He is just an iconic figure. Even if you've never seen an episode of Inside the Actor Studio, you've seen it parodied. You know what I mean? You've seen it on yeah. SNL. You've seen it on whatever. Um, you've you've seen him on Arrested Development as the new as New Warden, <laughs> the writer of New Warden. <laughs> That's um, right. He's a, he was a, I mean, as far as I know, a nice guy and uh, rest in peace to a movie icon in, a, in his own way. Um, yeah. Where am I moving on from here? This is Invisible Man stuff. I'm saving that. I do not have my tabs in the right order. Um, American Horror Story. Uh, season 10 has an addition to the cast. Macaulay Culkin uh, is returning, or not returning, he is joining the show. <laughs> Uh, he's retur- just returning to being in front he, of the camera. He's returning to existing in front of a camera. This is true. Um, Macaulay Culkin, my uh, my friend Brett Davis, a comedian in New York, has a show called the Macaulay Culkin Show that is just a comedy show that he runs that has nothing to do with Macaulay Culkin. And um, this year, after I, I think it must have been year four or five of it, Macaulay Culkin actually came and participated. And I've heard, I wasn't there, but I heard it was a blast. So I, I just... I'm a big fan of this guy. He seems like a cool guy. Uh, we all we all love Home Alone. Uh, it's kind of a what's his name? Is it Kieran that's on Succession? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Kieran's on Succession. I think Rory's got a Netflix show coming out. Uh, so the Colk, the Colk. I'm I'm calling it right now. The Colkinessance is upon us. <laughs> um, and I don't watch American Horror Story. I I I would say on this podcast, I famously. Watched the first season and the second, I think the up to up to Coven, which was maybe three or four, and I just gave up by then because it just wasn't for me. That show is horror tropes and cliches put in a blender and shit out in really boring ten episode seasons. Um, uh, a Ryan Murphy show, you say? Yes, it's a Ryan Murphy show. But is, doesn't Ryan Murphy also? Do, well, he does a billion things. Doesn't he also do nine one one and nine one one Lone Star or whatever? Because I have friends who swear by these. Like garbage television shows. I, I swear by the practice of never watching anything Ryan Murphy makes because <laughs> it's mostly bad. Yeah, um, I'm with you. Once, once, he, once he directed a couple of really terrible movies. I, 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 you know, that's not true. I did watch The People versus OJ and thought it was good. But I like that. Yeah. Yeah. General, I stay away from. Fair enough. I mean, I do too. Uh, I, I think the Culkin joining it gets me a little interested in like I will, oh. I will, I will see what the season's about since it's like anthology oh. and I can jump in and jump out as I please. Speaking of American Horror Story, I just want to say that there's a new like FX on Hulu situation where all their all of FX stuff is now on Hulu. So that includes all seasons of American Horror Story, Always Sunny. So if you ever want to catch up on American Horror Story, and people of this podcast say I should. Uh, you can do that very easily now. Uh, so, God damn it, maybe I'll do it. <laughs> um, another bit of news this week that I will mention, and maybe Jessica can talk a little bit more about, but I'm going to be vague about. Uh, the Candyman trailer's out. The Candyman is one of my favorite movies of all time. We did a whole series on the movies on this show, on this here podcast. Um, the first trailer is out. 
It is directed by Nia DaCosta. The movie is written by Jordan Peele and Ren Rosenfeld. It's produced by Jordan Peele. It's being called a spiritual sequel to Bernard Rose's cult classic from 1992, which was itself based on the short story The Forbidden by Clive Barker. Uh, did you watch the trailer? I did not. You know what? I have. I mean, I'm sure I'll catch it because I like trailers. I have never seen Candyman. That so. blows my goddamn mind, and uh, <laughs> I believe it is streaming right now on somewhere. I think Netflix. Okay, actually. I, it's it's on the list now because I've heard such good things about it in you the run up to this. You are gonna you're gonna love it, and then you have to okay. go back and listen to the New Flesh podcast on yeah. Candyman, and you're and you'll love it. Maybe we'll do <laughs> maybe we'll do a late uh, Jesse Hassinger era New Flesh episode where we you and I talk about it over the old episode <laughs> or <It'll>... Candyman. <laughs> you said you'd mentioned a bunch. Are there more than two? Are there like there's, other direct to video there's ones? three? Um, okay. I'm pretty sure both are direct to video, but maybe it's the second one. Went to... no, I think they're both direct to video. Uh, one's called Farewell to the Flesh from '95, yes. and then there's Day of the Dead from '99. Both are terrible. Very oh. bad. Very, very, very bad. But they both have Tony Todd. Um, yeah. So I haven't seen the trailer, but people are losing their minds over it. People fucking love it. I, I, I did. I was. <laughs> I couldn't avoid the fact that this trailer apparently features a slowed down, horror tinged version of Destiny's Child's "Say My Name." Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what, what, you know, what more do you expect from a horror trailer these days? Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't be more excited to, for this movie, and for reasons we'll get into during the Invisible Man section. Um, I will, again, explain why I don't really watch trailers. And in the case of horror movies, I purposefully avoid them. And we'll get into that later. Um, Going to skip this news because who cares? Uh, this is kind of interesting. Steven Spielberg allegedly dropped out of doing Indiana Jones 5, which, yes, is was a thing. And uh, James Mangold is in talks to replace him. Uh, this kind of this bit and piece boils down to one thing, which is like, if Steven Spielberg doesn't want to make it, then why do it? You know? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, like, the, I, I like James Mangold. Like, I, yo, oh, no, nothing against Mangold. I'm a fan. I just don't yeah. understand, like, if he's going to remain as a hands-on producer as reported, like, something's wrong. Something something smells here. You know what I mean? Like, he wouldn't, yeah. like, it's not a good, like, the script sucks. Something's wrong with it. If Spielberg's just, like, passing on it. I don't know. Yeah, well, I think, you know, usually probably in the past, he would have kind of dithered about it a little and said, oh, well, we're going to push it back a year. And I think now it's to the point where he probably, you know, he may have the instinct to do that. But with Ford, you really can't wait anymore. Yeah, so he's old. it's kind of a situation where they they're like, look, if we're, if we're doing this, we got to do this. So I feel like Spielberg must do it. He always has like a million different projects he's you know thinking about or, or weighing. And, and somehow he did West Side Story. <laughs> Well, he's always wanted to do a musical, so I get that. Like, yeah, I would have liked to see an original one from him, but I get, I get why he prioritized that. I think probably some of that is like, you know, he's getting up there too, Spielberg. He's in his seventies now, and I feel like he probably has some stuff he wants to cross off his list. And I doubt that Indy Five is like was really something. That's one of those things where I feel like Spielberg gets a little too beholden to the fans. I think he's probably bothered by the fact that people didn't like Four. I say people, but it was a big hit. But you know, we, you yeah. Know. I mean, yeah. I remember seeing four in theaters and having a really good time, and then like the rest of the movie happened after the opening half an hour. <laughs> yeah. But... Oh, the first. I love the first half of that movie. The second half does really come. The air goes out of it a lot. Yeah. Uh, that's all. Our, I mean, I haven't seen it since what? Oh eight. Is that when it came uh, out? Like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy God. to me that it's it's now been you know as long since uh, it's been so long since even since the fourth one. It's been twelve years. That's, that's crazy. Fucking crazy. God. <laughs> um. 
My favorite Spielberg film as of late is that Instagram he took, or I don't know what it was, a tweet, but it's him addressing the camera uh, while walking through his house saying how Carl's Jr. started calling burgers Spielbergers and that they have to cease and desist. (laughs) (laughs) If you haven't seen it, I suggest you seek it out. It's like a seven-second clip. It's the fucking best. Awesome. Um, This is is sad news. Netflix's Marianne will not be returning for a second season. This was that French horror show on Netflix. Eight episodes. Um, Really good show. There won't be a second season. It did end with a tease of like more to come, so it's kind of a bummer. But the writer or creator, the creator, writer, director, Samuel Bowden says, we are very sorry and sad about that, but we will see you in other stories. Did you watch the Marianne? I did not. I'd never heard of it, actually. Uh, too much TV. That's the symptom. <laughs> yes. It's a symptom of too much TV. In fact, I'm going to look this up while I talk about it. I just saw like, I was, you know, one of a Facebook post uh, that was like advertised directly to me and something like that usually means it's like, I will like it. Um, a Netflix, yeah, there, it's true, it's there. There's a new horror show. Never even heard of it until this Netflix ad, or this Facebook ad. It's called Ares, A-E-A-R-E-S, excuse me, uh, aiming to become a part of Amsterdam's elite, an ambitious college student joins an exclusive society unaware it's hiding a horrifying secret. Um, it sounds cool and... Ah. Uh, I believe it's, let me see, eight episodes, ten episodes? Yeah, eight episodes, and they're half an hour each. So I will definitely report back soon on Netflix's Aries. Uh, And yeah, RIP Marianne. Definitely check that out. Um, A couple random AMC announcements here. I guess this is just uh, movie theater announcements. Uh, A Quiet Place 2 is opening a night early um, in Dolby Theaters, I believe, on Wednesday, March 18th. You can see it as part of a double feature with A Quiet Place. Uh, the Quiet Place, A Quiet Place starts at 7, and A Quiet Place 2 starts at 9. Check out your local Dolby Cinema and large format theaters, and they'll probably have it. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. Have you? No, I'm going, uh, whenever the week comes out, there's a screening that I'm going to. So probably only like a couple days before that Dolby thing. Yeah. I, but I'm excited. I like the, I love the first one, so. Yeah, um, so. I'm also excited. I hope to get a screening invite. I haven't had it yet, but I should for Paramount because I'm supposed to be reviewing it. And if <laughs> if I don't get it, there'll be trouble. But uh, <laughs> I will report back on a Quiet Place. I think the trailer look the trailer is really cool. Like that one shot take of the truck. Have you seen that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's a trailer. I, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know why I gave in on that one rather than avoid it. But I think it's because <laughs> it started so abruptly. I couldn't avoid it. I was like, all right. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I'm excited for that. And then AMC is also partnering with A24 to do this like promotional thing leading up to the release of St. Maud, uh, an A24 horror movie that I really liked that's coming out in April. Uh, it's called the She Is Risen screening series. So like they're showing all these classic horror movies. They're showing uh, on Friday, March 13th, they're showing The Exorcist, uh, the director's cut actually. Uh, on Friday, March 20th, it's Rosemary's Baby. On Friday, March 27th, it's The Conjuring, which is a strange choice. And then on Wednesday, April 1st, they're showing St. Maud as um, an advanced preview because I think it comes out Friday or something. Just a, a weird little promotional thing. But I like the idea that you can go see The Exorcist, Director's Cut, and Rosemary's Baby in theaters nationwide. So uh, go ahead and do that. That sounds cool. Yeah. Um, Adam Robitel's uh, Escape Room 2 has a release date. And it's yes. Out. Did you see this? The release date? Yes. It's yes. fucking weird, right? Okay. It is. I love it. You explain. Tell me. Uh, uh, it's, yeah. This movie was scheduled, I believe, for August of this year, one of those kind of later week, August weekend slots. And they moved it, at least for now, to Friday, 
December 30th, which is essentially unprecedented for a wide release that's not like a, you know, a two-theater last-minute Oscar qualifier. Yes, Uh, because the traditional wisdom, I guess, would be that all the big movies come out on Christmas... And then January is when the dump starts happening. And yeah. Escape Room, I believe, was a January movie. Um, yes, the first it was a time pre- around. A pretty solid January movie. Yes, and very. You, I enjoyed it. It's moved up a bit, you know, because I feel like 15 years ago or so, you would never see even a wide release movie on the first weekend of January. That was considered kind of like stay away. And then the last few years, they've gone. They've been a couple movies that came out on Friday the second or Friday the third when they fell that way. So this is like the next logical step. I think they're also probably sensing that this Christmas is a weird kind of free for all, uh, yeah. where there's not like a Star Wars, there's not a Marvel or a DC, there's not a, a Avatar yet. There's you know there, there's not a Lord of the Rings. There's like nothing. That's like the big one. There's like the I guess the Dune movie is trying to be that, but like, come on. Yeah, good fucking luck. That movie's <laughs> gonna bomb so hard. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to do it, but it's oh me seems too. Like, but it's like, like such a weird Christmas. It's like movie. when they spent all this money making Blade Runner two, and they're surprised it didn't make a lot of money. You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, I feel like Sony's like, look, there's gonna be some cash on the table, and Escape Room will help itself to that. I mean, it makes sense. Like, I guess I think it's smart. That, yeah. Yeah. Do teenagers who go see those movies really think, oh, I don't know, it's not the right weekend? (laughs) No, they're going to be home from school, you know, they're going to go, they're going to go see it. I think it's really smart. I'm always one, I'm always yelling about studios releasing horror movies at shitty times, and, uh, like, it's odd, you'll know, if you start to pay attention, you may have already noticed, but, like, October's oddly bare every year. There should be, there's so many, like, this would be a perfect weekend to release X and they never do it. They always yeah. wait for some arbitrary reason to do it another time. Drives me yeah, they usually crazy. Do, they go early these days because they all think they can get a bunch of weekends out of it, I guess. Yeah, it's confounding. Um, yeah. A few more here before we move on. Uh, Sci-Fi orders a Day of the Dead TV series. Uh, and then immediately after that, George Romero with State came out and said, uh, this announcement is making the rounds today, but we want everyone to know that the project neither sanctioned nor endorsed by the Romero estate. And aside from the title, it bears no relation whatsoever to George's Day of the Dead or any other projects. Um, the show is being billed as the intense story of six strangers trying to survive the first 24 hours of an undead invasion. So that's really not the premise of Day of the Dead. So this is the most confounding news of the week. I uh, don't really know what that means. Uh, some places like Deadline, so I don't, I wouldn't take it, you know, I'll take it with a grain of salt. They had, you know, a Day of the Dead stock image from the movie and talked about how it's, uh, it's a remake of that movie, a classic movie, but it's like, it's not, it's just, it doesn't, that doesn't sound like it, it doesn't is. sound like it is. So <laughs> whatever that is, look out for it. Um, and the turning is coming to Blu-ray with, this is my favorite thing. It's ha- like in the first time in years, I feel like I see an alternate ending being touted on a, on the cover of a Blu-ray. First of all, the Blu-ray does not feature the star of the movie, Mackenzie Davis. It just has Finn Wolfhard and Brooklyn Prince. I don't know if you've seen this image. I'll send it to you. Yes. Yeah, um, it's, I don't like it. It's really weird. But my I just wanted to make the, the joke that instead of saying it includes an alternate ending, they could have just said this version includes an ending. Because <laughs> it did not have an ending. You burnt the turning. You burnt. <laughs> um, all right, and this is cool. Shudder is doing a documentary series called Cursed Films. Uh, it's a five-part series about uh, movies that are cursed, like their legacies, not like the movies are about curses. It's like, you know how people died on the set of The Twilight Zone, and that right, movie's right. cursed, and the, the Crow, Brandon Lee died. So there's an episode about The Twilight Zone, there's an episode about The Crow, there's an episode about Poltergeist, 
uh, The Omen, and The Exorcist. I don't and, think anyone died, but do you think they would consider doing a second season about Wes Craven's movie Cursed? Oh my god, yes, because you, they could... It was beset with delays. Yes, it was beset with delays. They uh, recently, I believe, said it was... Well, actually, I don't know if that how recent it was, but it was definitely supposed to be R-rated and uh-huh. got ex- eviscerated to PG-13. And then there was an... Uh, that was back in the unrated DVD days. Um, yeah. And I remember getting it, getting it and still being very disappointed by that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Christina Ricci as a werewolf, right? Am I right? Yeah, That's I think Jesse Eisenberg is the is he the guy in that? That is mind blowing, and I'm sure you're right, but I that did not compute in my head when you just said it. Holy crap, that is funny. <laughs> it's a, it's funny when people get super famous and you go back, you're like, wow, that person's been in movies for way longer than I remember. Right. <laughs> um, all right, and now it's time for the main event. So we talked up top about how we are lucky to have this movie. Because we could have gotten the Dark Universe version. Instead, we've got this more, I would say, more thoughtful and interesting. And honestly, just a creative pitch that's executed very well. Um, And you're kind of the... I'm going to call Jesse the Invisible Man expert (laughs) here. Because you just watched, I think, all the available Invisible Man things. Yeah, basically, I watch all of them. It's it's like a late breaking. It's like an amateur kind of expertise because I had never seen any of Invisible Man movies except Hollow Man and when I was very young, Memoirs of an Invisible Man starring Chevy Chase. So I rewatched those and then watched the Universal series. Uh, I did not watch Abbott and Costello meet the Invisible Man. It just seems like that's probably not the best Abbott and Costello monster movie, and I ran out of time. But I did watch <laughs> the five, uh, 1933 to I think 1944 or so. What would be so, the modern Abbott and Costello with monster movies? Would it be like Jesus and Marrow versus the Mummy? Like, what is it? I was thinking, you know, Sony made a bunch of their own monster movies in the 90s. You know, they did like their own Dracula and their own Wolf and, and right. uh, Frankenstein. I, and they did Hollow Man, too. That, that yeah, Hollow Man that. is the Invisible Man, man. Like, I, I, it, I, it basically is. Is it? Is it yeah. is, does it have H.G. Wells' name on it? I'm not sure if it does. I don't think it does, no. But my, my feeling then it was that, or when I was examining those movies, my feeling was... So if they did that, then if Sony Sony should have kept it going and done like Farley and Spade meet the Invisible Man or whatever. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's perfect. Much better than my idea. <laughs> I mean, yours. I think yours is a little more au courant than my one that involves a, the guy who died. The guy movie. who's dead. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but after watching the Invisible Men, all of them, um, yes. I think you're well versed to talk about the new one. We don't have to dwell on the old one, but the for the for the listener who doesn't know, like, what is the universal monster version of the Invisible Man like? Like the yeah, old one. I, I found that so interesting uh, because they're all they all have an H.G. Wells credit on them. I haven't read the the Wells novel, but they all say uh, something they don't say inspired by. They say from you know right. the Invisible Man by H.G. Wells. But even in the first one from 1933 with Claude Rains, it do, it's not like an origin story of the Invisible Man. He starts the movie already invisible and kind of starting to run amok. Uh, it's pretty. Comes, I, I just watched it the other day before this one, and it's it's uh, a strange movie. It is. It's. I found it really delightful. It's it's very funny. Yes, uh, but cynically he's funny. Not a super like dark. sympathetic character. Yeah, like, and it's pretty dark for whatever year it came out, like a pre-code movie. Yeah, yeah. He he. So it joins him like getting a room. And he's you know he's he's wrapped up uh, like in, in in the style of the classic Invisible Man with scarves and sunglasses and the hat. And he gets a room to kind of continue his experiments because he's successfully turned himself invisible, but he's trying to do more experiments and perfect his formula. And he's pretty – I mean, I think the idea is that it it drives him – has driven him mad. 
but you never really see him not mad. There's a flashback where you maybe see a little bit of him pre-madness, but he goes pretty fast to the point of, like, ranting about how he's going to use his invisibility serum to, like, wreak havoc, sell it to the highest bidder and watch the world burn, basically. (laughs) Yes, it's very kooky. It's basically, I think the drive of that one, and, like, maybe the rest of them, I haven't seen the rest of them, is, like, the invisible man, like, a man turns himself invisible, and then, like, I think the implication in that one is, like, that's, like, by doing that, he was turned crazy. Like, the process made him this maniac. Yeah. Which I think is less interesting than what, you know, I I would say, like, Hollow Man. Uh, Well, I don't even, I don't know if that's, if I'm remembering Hollow Man correctly, but to me, it's, like, he was never a good, he was always kind of shitty. Yeah, in in Hollow Man, he's, he, it's, like, it takes him 10% more into the uh like immoral zone but yeah. he was already he's already a, a shitty person. guy and like this just enabled him to be fully sh- his shittiest self yeah. whereas yeah. like the old invisible man like i don't know if th- there was any implication that like men is bad you know men like we are inherently by nature bad uh and this one was more like well this kooky science experiment really fucked this guy up which, yeah, although it, it doesn't really lean hard on the, like, descent into madness aspect. Some of the yeah. later ones, like, when they do touch upon that, the, the, the follow-up, Eva's of William Returns, is kind of basically a softer version where the, the, the brother of the Invisible Man helps someone else turn invisible to escape. He's been accused of a crime he didn't commit. He's going to be killed on death row. So he uses the formula to escape. Uh, and he start he does, there's more of a gradual, he, he, you can see the formula, you know, kind of screwing up his brain as he is invisible for longer. And when he is turned back at the end, he's sort of remorseful and, and, and changed back to normal. Um, more, much more so than in the, in the first movie where he, you kind of take it on faith that maybe he was kind of okay at the beginning, but you don't really see that. Um, and then some of the other ones don't really go into that at all because they're sort of like, there's a invisible woman, which is really kind of a light comedy, uh, invisible agent, which is a light spy movie where, like the hero is never really goes crazy. He just like plays some pranks on Nazis. Um, the worst, the, the worst thing he does is like get distracted by, by playing too many pranks on Nazis when he should be like fighting the Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> too many pranks. Yeah. So just, he just does, he just goes crazy with the pranks. And then the last one, invisible man's revenge is a little more true to the spirit of the earlier ones where again, the guy starts the movie having recently broken out of an asylum where he killed several orderlies and takes the invisibility serum to get revenge on some friends of his. Oh, wow. They're never, they're never really like, except for a couple of those in the middle where they're really kind of comedic. They're not usually nice guys to begin with. I found. Yeah. So I think the idea is that like when, once you're invisible there's just like, it kind of divorces you from reality. Yeah, there's nothing stopping you. There's nothing stopping you. And, um, like, you literally can't even, like, look at yourself to judge yourself. I feel like it's like you're just, you're not yeah. even there anymore. Um, yeah. Interestingly, I will say, Lee Wannell's, the 2020 Blumhouse Universal fucking $7 million, uh, The Invisible Man. What it, the, the, the one thing it does that's like the huge difference that sets it aside from any other universal monster iteration of this is that it basically, it it focuses on the invisible man's victim, not the invisible man. The invisible man is barely in this fucking movie and not just because he's invisible, uh, (laughs) because like, you just, he's not a focal point. Like the, the, the lead character 
in the Invisible Man is Elizabeth Moss, uh, who spoiler alert is not the invis- not the titular Invisible Man, which is like a genius turn right away, just because like, um, to make this to to update. Because they could have just made a movie that was essentially Gaslight, but remade. You know what I mean? Which is which is yeah. what this is. But um, if you don't know Gaslight, it's like a movie from the '40s. That is where the term gaslighting came from. Uh, look it up. Read a fucking book for once. <laughs> yeah. <or> watch a movie. <laughs> um, uh, but I think it's just genius in the year 2020. Uh, you know, post Me Too, where we already got a Me Too horror movie in Black Christmas uh, this year or last year. Um, it's just like. It's a, it's a brilliant, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, it's just like a perfect moment for this movie to exist at the same time when Universal's struggling to make their monster movie happen. And like, it's just a perfect cocktail of uh, like a zeitgeisty movie, I feel like. Like, this is such a brilliant, um, it's, just, it's a brilliant idea and it's executed really well. And the, the from the opening scene of the movie, uh, I just, the movie is just like in total command of you. And I, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, the opening scene, which strips like any elements of sci fi and horror away from the concept, is just you're watching a woman. This is like the truly opening scene. We know nothing so far. You just see a woman like slowly and creepily like getting out of bed, not trying to disturb her partner. And then it slowly dawns on you that she's like escaping uh, the house that she shared or the, you know, that she presumably shares with this guy. And like, the tension in this scene, like while she's sneaking out and like, like, you know, knocks shit over, kicks something. It's so tense and brilliantly handled. And, um, I just think it's such a great way to start this movie. Yeah. Uh, Cause like you, you kind of wordlessly get what you like so many things. Like I read that Lee, you know, uh, during test screenings, people were like, we need to see more of this. Like, who is this guy? Like, we don't know him. And it's like, no, it's so much scarier when you don't know. And it's just like any fucking guy. Well, yeah, I think it makes it less exploitative also, which is something I sort of felt a little bit unsure about going into this movie. You know, I'm not a big fan of, like, Sleeping with the Enemy and, like, these movies that turn, like, domestic violence into, like, a, a star, a starry thriller, you know, about, like, this woman's going to fight back. Um, like, enough. And <laughs> the movie, yeah, enough, exactly, yeah. The movie, um, this movie takes that out of it by not kind of indulging in the, like, kind of horrible spectacle of like like watching a woman be abused yeah yeah like check out check out how bad like they when you do that it sort of turns abuse into like you know raising the stakes or whatever and it just becomes to me it's hard to do that without feeling pretty crass in the thriller kind of you know a thriller context so this movie isn't any less scary for it it just has the confidence to say you know what like you're gonna trust from her face from her reaction and from the little bit you see of this guy you're gonna understand everything like you said yeah you understand everything about the situation without resorting to kind of what i think when else said in an interview the kind of like horrible cliche like "Ooh, what happened like you didn't do the dishes good enough and he like smacks her around or whatever horrible shit like that kind of trivializes that actual behavior uh, and you, you, like, to leave it off screen in a way makes it creepier and scarier, and and also you know you're just you're not you're not playing it for like sick thrills, you know. Absolutely, um, and it goes without saying, but we'll I'm sure talk about it at length. <laughs> Elizabeth Moss is so like such a talent, and it's yeah. so amazing. 
I'm just so happy that she's doing movies of this caliber because she doesn't have to. Like she's <laughs> she's great in her smell, which is like you know a most way smaller movie and like not a horror film, but I guess in a way it could it's, be. It's its own kind of horror movie. Own yeah. kind of horror <laughs> movie. But like you know, I never would have expected the star of Mad Men to be like the star of such you know a universal monster movie, quote unquote, if that's what we're calling this thing. Which I guess it, it technically it fucking is. Yeah, no, it totally is. Um, so it's, so she's great in it. Um. But yeah, so the movie, after that opening scene, she escapes. Um, this is spoiler territory. Um, I'll give a disclaimer here before we get into spoilers. Um, this is a movie I aggressively avoided the trailer for. Uh, there were TV spots before every fucking thing I watched on my fire stick that I would have to like run out of the room and not watch. Uh, every time I was in a theater, I would just you know, look at my phone or close my eyes when the, when the trailer came on. So I truly knew nothing which I think, of course, of fucking course, it, it made the movie better for me than, than <laughs> someone who probably, you know, if, if, if do a blind, you know, some sort of experiment where you show, you don't, you don't show a group of trailer and you do show the group of trailer. I guarantee you the group that didn't watch the trailer that spoils a ton of shit would like <laughs> it more. It's just like the way it is. Um, but I understand how marketing works. You got to sell the movie. But after watching The Invisible Man, I went back and I watched the TV. I watched the trailer and I watched a 15-second TV spot that played before something I was watching. Even the fucking 15-second spot spoiled, like, five moments yeah. in the movie. <laughs> it is stunning how much is spoiled uh, in the trailers of this movie. I don't know if you watched it or saw it, but so I many... I saw the trailer. I, I don't remember feeling like there was stuff, I guess, that I kind think of... I'm projecting onto the TV spot I saw. Because the TV spot I saw, spoiler alert, it gave away the latter moment. It gave away oh. the breathing next to her moment. It's it just like every moment that I was like gasped at in the in the movie, like uh, was just given away, which is like the whole fucking reason I don't watch them. So I felt yeah. very validated, um, but it sucks and I hate it. And I think it just I, I read that Lee fought to, um, you know, they wanted to spoil more. And he was like, no, like foot down. Don't do that. Like we can't. Um, so uh, now we can get into spoiler territory. So. Uh, after that opening sequence, she's she's escaped, blah, blah, blah. Uh, she gets word that her abusive boyfriend killed himself, uh, which, you know, good news because she was like, you know, in hiding, essentially. She was so scared of like running into him or, you know, having to deal with him in the world. Um, and that's when the fun begins, because once he is allegedly, quote unquote, dead, uh, she starts, you know, the invisible man shows up <laughs> and like the movie's clever because. I don't think um, no one watching it. Like you're no, you're going into the movie knowing the title, even if you haven't know anything about it. You see the title card up front, which is also a great title sequence. Uh, yeah, the waves up, the wave, waves. The, the waves on the rocks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so everyone going in knows the man. Like this movie is a movie about an invisible man. So like it, uh, it just throws you right into it. She starts getting you know fucked with by the by some force you can't see. The way he shoots it. I just I love him as a director. This is his third movie. Um, his first being Insidious Chapter Three, my favorite of the franchise. <laughs> and uh, the, the next movie was Upgrade, which I which we love on this podcast, and I've written about for Yahoo. Uh, great, super fun sci-fi horror flick. Uh, definitely check that out if you haven't. I believe it's on HBO Go at the moment. Um, uh, 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 but this is his, I, I just love the way that he shoots action, like the uh, the camera moving with basically. All, the way he shoots action is the camera moves with the action in a way that's not distracting, I would say. But, I, I mean, some might disagree with me. But I really – I find it clean and, like, exciting to watch. 
And I just think he has such like chops at this point. This is his third movie. And like, for me, he's made three four-star movies. I think he's such a talent. I'm kind of bummed that his next movie is allegedly the Escape from New York remake. But oh, that's that's a shame. It is a shame. <laughs> but if this is uh, what he does with the remake uh, of a classic property, you know, maybe he'll do something exciting with that one. But I don't know. Uh, Escape from New York. Did you agree that it's like a well-directed movie? Yeah, no, I think it's terrific. Um, I think in I liked Insidious three fine, and I enjoyed Upgrade, but I also see like a strong kind of upping his game across those three movies, like which is always fun to watch. It's great, obviously, when a director comes out and it, like knows their shit immediately, but it's really cool to watch someone really like learn kind of you know how to kind of hone their craft. And I, I'm so blown away that the Saw guys, because because when I we worked on the first Saw with um, James with, Wan. Uh, James Wan and both of them, like, you would not, like, I like Saw fine, certainly, but, like, all the kind of, like, bullshit tricks in that movie, like the stuttering, you know, swirling camera and stuttering images and kind yeah. of grodiness and, like, I mean, it's like a, it's a B-movie. That's what I like about it. It's, like, a pretty grody B-movie. And both of them continue kind of making B-movies after that, but really, I mean, they're, they're, I guess the less kind thing to say would be they're uniquely well-suited for a version of Hollywood where Ace everything is basically a B-movie, which is some of it's really expensive and some of it's not. Um, yeah. But they're they're both, both Juan and Winnell have made a bunch of really good genre movies. Uh, the first couple Insidious were also... Uh, <laughs> One and he made the Conjuring movie, the first couple of Conjuring movies. He made Furious Seven and Aquaman. And Winnell sort of started a little later because he started directing with Insidious Three. But is similarly like within a couple of movies has become this like super sharp, polished, like very very fine filmmaker. Right. Um, it's it's that's just like a that's very cool to see if you think about Saw again a movie I think is fine but like a movie it's that not costs like ten dollars and gross yeah. <laughs> and like has a billion dollar franchise yeah and and thinking about like where Saw goes as a, as a series you would not necessarily think oh yeah the guys behind this are probably going to be like running Hollywood I mean James Wan <laughs> is I was I tweeted this the other day like he must be like he has probably he has two billion dollar franchise like he he directed a billion dollar movie in the Furious franchise, Furious uh -huh. Furious franchise, Aquaman grossed a billion dollars. Like, how many directors have multi-billion-dollar movies <laughs> from different <laughs> franchises? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, and right after the numbers started coming in for this movie, of course, the Hollywood Reporter Heat Vision article dropped. Invisible Man filmmaker Lee Went uh, Lee Wannell and Inc.'s overall deal with Blumhouse. Uh, uh -huh. Two-year first look pack covers films and TV project written, directed, and produced by him. Uh, so yeah, another two-year overall deal. So we're definitely going to see more from him uh and yeah this this one is very very well crafted and it sort of carries through i would say the directing kind of carries it through at the edge of this of this movie i feel like you can see oh man kind of yeah the low the low rent stuff of like not that not any of the actors are bad but like well every some of the actor supporting performances does, yeah, like, it's, are a little it's yeah. stock characters or something yeah. it's just like they're all very stocky and like yeah. i if someone told me this like i will as much as i love this movie it does have an extremely like it could have used one more pass on the script vibe. Yeah. It's it, if you told me this was his first draft, I would have believed you because like <laughs> there are a few things that are like, you know, horror movie logic over real life logic type of issues. But like, I don't really care that much about it. Uh, no, no, uh, it's much more. The experience of it is so intense that it's, right. you're not really thinking about like, Oh, well, but actually wouldn't he do this it, instead? Like yes. it's, it didn't, you know, it, you're, it, yeah, you're carried along. 
it didn't lose me in the third act with the like the big like final sequence, but like it's it's less interesting to me than like the rest of the movie because oh. I think it just has to build to that sort of conclusion. But like I don't know, I also I love the hospital chaos. Um, yeah, th- there's one I'm not going to spoil it at all here because I think it's fun to discover it. But there's a scene that made the whole audience like lose their shit. And I think I know, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, the scene with her sister. Yes, um, I, I gotcha, I gotcha. That scene is it's just incredible. Like I, I can't remember the last time I was in a theater that had like a, you know, such a response to something. It was yeah. like so cool to be a part of uh, an audience watching that movie. I'm, I just feel lucky to, to that we have this movie. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's, and it's pretty, you know, it's, I wouldn't say it's like a really hasn't have a lot of depth as a metaphor for me too, or in domestic abuse and, and stuff like that. But it is nice to have something that's so like muscularly well done, uh, that it, that it can hold up as a metaphor. It's not just sort of making lip service to it. Like it, it kind of gets at, uh, the a, a kind of horrific real life experience and, I mean, yeah, if if you're a survivor of, like, domestic abuse, this movie will be fucking a whole new level of terrifying that, like, I can't even understand. Like, this Yeah, no, I can... I can imagine not if you're if you have this really in your life, you probably would want to probably take a pass on this movie because it seems like it's it's totally and I think it's intense enough to really. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I think what makes it so remarkable as a movie is that this movie that could and should feel like a lecture never does because uh, the way that he directs, it's just so, so exciting. Um, And like and I think I mentioned earlier, like. The way the camera just lingers on, like, because we know the movie's called The Fucking Invisible Man. And before we even are introduced to him, the way the camera just lingers around Elizabeth Moss, like, in her apartment while she's just walking around. Like, you're always looking at, like, the negative space, you know, like, waiting for something. Like, it's just so, he just, I just, I I haven't felt like I watched a movie with such mastered craft in in a long time. Uh Oh. I'm trying to think of what else to talk about. Uh, I mean, there was something, a question I had that was sort of, I mean, it's both kind of plot mechanics and also spoilery. Is that cool or should we? Yeah, totally fine. So this is like a very, this is a very late movie revelation. So if you're going to go see the movie, you should shut this off now and go see it. Um, Late in the movie, we find out that at least some of the time, the man in the Invisible Man suit, because that's what. It's, it's a suit in this one, not a um, like a tech suit rather than a potion that alters your body chemistry. Uh, at Which, least some it's, of the it's time. It's cool. Cool modern yeah. upgrade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. I, I do – part of me was like, oh, I kind of – you know, I feel like the rich tradition of something insane, like you inject it and you, you're invisible is like – you know, I love the, the – um, Yeah, how the many just... gorillas were harmed in the making yeah. of this invisible <laughs> oh. man? Yeah, the logistical grossness that the Hollow Man gets into with that, I really love. So I was kind of bummed to see it. But you know, we've seen that in lots of movies, so yeah. it's fine. Um, uh, so you you find out eventually that the man in the suit was not at least at least not one hundred percent of the time was not her ex. And there's a little bit of ambiguity about how often it was him versus yes. uh, his collaborator. I am very and, interested to discuss this because yeah. Because the movie, on a, on a filmic level, I will say the movie makes it pretty clear that at the end, he's still... It, okay, so you know when she confronts him at the house and she's talking to him about whatever. And basically the, the cue to her to go change in the Invisible Man suit and get it done 
is that he said the word surprise. Yes. In the context of a sentence, whatever it was, confirming that it was him, you know, basically confirming that it was him. Um, yeah. So to me, that was Lee saying, hey, look, this is, in the logic of this movie, this is the cue that uh, that the audience needs to go, oh, okay, it was him. But, but, <laughs> I mean, the very virtue of putting the brother, the, 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 whatever you want to call it, like the fake out in there, like, that holds a whole nother layer of, like, um, I don't know, a whole nother layer of, like, Me Too commentary if... The, if the woman is killing an innocent man, <laughs> like, yeah. like there's a whole, the, it's, it's an interesting question. And I would, yeah. yeah what did, what well, did you think the implication was or yeah. My, I mean, it's interesting. I didn't think about that much about it until I read the frankly pretty dumb piece on rebeller, um, which oh, is, God. yeah, that's on, that's I don't, on, I don't have a subscription. <laughs> I shouldn't have read that. Um, that was like this kind of smirky, like, well, I like this movie because it was really about how we were right to invade Iraq. Like, hee hee, like kind of tee hee. Oh, like, that's that's <laughs> that's past guest of the show, Sonny Bunch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's been on the show. We, he was on, uh, I forget what we talked about. I think it was Glass. Lots of people, people seem to like him. I, I, I like to reach across the political aisle on this podcast. <laughs> that's, that's, that's big of you because I thought this thing that he wrote was fucking idiotic. But, I didn't uh, read it, but yeah, yeah it sounds so stupid. Yeah, so, but he was he was raising that that it, the question essentially of, well, it's unlikely that the oh I see what he's saying. He's uh, saying, like, yeah. isn't it isn't it possible that her ex was was chained up the whole time and it really was just entirely the brother? And I don't think I mean it's possible. The movie's sure. reading. I don't. I just don't think like you have to be. A subscriber to Rebeller to believe that, <laughs> like, like to get that from that movie. You know what I mean? I'm free with every subscription. Is that yeah, <laughs> that mindset? But like, I, I, I mean, there's a. I would love to ask Lee about it, um, yeah. Because I think, because uh, I mean, there is ambiguity. I'm not arguing with Sonny that there's not ambiguity, but like, there is ambiguity, and there is that. Like, I mean, as I said earlier, the script is very first drafty. So to me, like, the surprise revelation thing that was like just a kind of a lazy or not even just kind of a okay way of dealing with the is it really him or is it not him thing like right, that's right. the way well, that I, lee did it he wrote that surprise scene i think and when the brother talks to her when she's imprisoned or and she's in the kind of in the when she's being confined he, with the, the deal he lays out for her there's no advantage to him to yeah, her no to it's a hundred percent her him manipulating behind the scenes and i think I to me now talking about it, my read is that it's just another way for Lee to be like, believe women, you fucking idiots. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think no. that's really what it is. Like, I think yeah, it's because no. the whole movie she's saying, listen, you fucking idiots. I know this is how he works. I know it's illogical, but this is what he does. He controls every situation and he makes me look crazy. Yeah. And like, that's exactly what he does. Even in that, like, even that is one more degree to which. Um, you know what I'm saying? That that's one more degree to which she's being driven crazy by him. Yeah. So it is. It is funny to me that someone's reaction to that was like, "But do we, we never see any evidence?" <laughs> yeah, it's fucking stupid. It's a it's a disingenuous reading, is what it yeah. is. I think. But it, it is interesting that I think that you raised that point really. That's that's an interesting point that the movie does raise is the kind of complicity of this guy who earlier in the movie is saying, 
look, I hate him too. He's manipulated me. I, I agree with you. He's manipulative and abusive. And then in that later scene, it kind of comes down to, well, but you know, this is where my bread is buttered and I'm going to, I've been helping him yes, do this stuff. I a hundred percent. I do think, yes. I think that whole character of his brother is, is every man in real life. Who's like, how, like the, the other fucking Weinstein, you know yeah. what I mean? Who yes. like sat by his side the whole time of the Weinstein company in Miramax, knowing what was happening, everyone knew, and they still fucking made movies until they didn't. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah and uh, Moss's kind of vicious uh, a, a, a pra, uh, a, appraisement of, uh, <laughs> appraisal, I should say, yes. her vicious appraisal of the brother character in that scene is very satisfying, where she just kind of, like, she won't take his deal, and she says something, I think she says something to the effect of, you're the jellyfish version of him. Um, yeah, no spine. That line... Yeah, that line. I don't know what I don't know what about it. Just like it felt too like Michael Bloomberg's comedy writer for me. <laughs> like there was something forced about it that like it, I don't know. This movie I saw with like a really rowdy crowd that was like applauding a bunch of bullshit, like including that line. So I think that just made me don't not like it. I think well, I, I felt like Moss, and this is a testament to how good Moss is. She really so, sold that. She did. Home. She did. Amazing. That's what it's a testament to the movie. Again, like this movie without that lead performance and the same script i don't think it's as good at all i think it's a much worse movie yeah um so yeah she really this movie is like a like just a lot of things coming together and working perfectly in symphony like it's elizabeth moss's performance we've got uh lee's direction uh just the whole concept of like this is an invisible man movie but the invisible man's you know not the focal point we're focusing on the victim and like the fact that you can like this is a this is a movie that's a like it's so clearly about what it's about. You know what I mean? Like it's about spo- yeah. it's about domestic violence, but like it's it's never like didactic about it. It's never like you're watching a Me Too movie. Like I, I don't know how to describe it other than to say it is an effective horror movie or it's an effective. Th- I don't even want to. I'd say it's it's an effective thriller more than it's like a movie that's wagging its finger at you trying to tell you a lesson. Yeah, well, it's in and as my and thriller also like a monster movie in the in the way you know it's it's very different obviously from the the 30s and 40s Invisible Man movies, but it's very true to the spirit of that in that it is like a, a, about a monster um, and like it very effective about getting you to kind of fear but be also be fascinated by this horrible monster. Um, it's interesting to me that like the Invisible Man is typically like the least sympathetic of like. Frankenstein's monster, you kind of feel bad for him. He didn't ask for that, you know. Right. Some versions of Dracula are, are somewhat sympathetic, and, and the Wolfman has like is more of like an affliction more so than a than a real problem. And Invisible Man is sort of an affliction too, in that the again the serum is or whatever is supposed to be in the earlier ones is supposed to be sort of driving him insane. But this one is sort of, to me sort of comes across as a like kind of logical endpoint after so many Invisible Man movies where you're watching them going like okay, but this guy's already pretty crummy like. And it just it just kind of gives him permission to go even worse. This is the movie that says like, yeah, and in fact, why are we taking that as the point of view for the for going for this like observing this monster? Why are we not looking at what he actually does to someone and and how she reacts versus like you know point of view shots in the Hollow Man of of him raping someone? Right. Um, I mean, which has its place in that in that kind of. Verhoeven-y, like really horrible. Um, well, that's his worldview. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it is it is refreshing to me that this feels very much you know it has like kind of has a B movie energy and it has like a kind of old fashioned craft to it, and it still feels like in that way it kind of feels of a piece with those old monster movies, 
even though it feels also, you know, obviously very today, it feels like at the kind of where you go with the Invisible Man after this. I mean, I'm sure they could make a sequel or whatever, but like having watched a bunch of these recently, this kind of feel like, oh yeah, this is kind of the end point you reach is like, you don't need to kind of understand why the Invisible Man goes crazy. Like he's, he's, he's pretty. He's, yeah. And, As this movie posits, he's just uh, a powerful man who yeah. had aspect <laughs> to it, who had a- access to it. Um, yeah. I think everything you just said is fucking dead on. Uh, I really, really thrilled this movie's out in theaters. You should go see it. You should definitely support it. Um, I mean, does this formula of like focusing on the victims instead of the the monster, could that apply to other Universal movies successfully? Or is it unique to The Invisible Man because of like the nature of like the gaslighting angle? You yeah, know what I mean? I think, yeah, I think The Invisible Man is so remarkably unsympathetic uh, across history, in, in at least in movies, that it, it's particularly well suited because like Frankenstein's monster, again, it's like, it's he's you know not committing he like the, the atrocity of Frankenstein's monster is is the is Frankenstein's uh, right <laughs> not really the monsters and yes. you know the Wolfman is again he's like kind of horrified by what his what's happening to him and you can I think you can beef up those it show, this shows you can definitely beef up those characters and not have the monster be the only interesting thing in the movie uh, I, my question is like more on a practical level as as people who like horror movies and people who really dig dig dug this movie and I personally really like you know old monster movies is it now kind of swung back in a weird way where the mummy was a huge disappointment for a lot of people and now we're in this weird position of like oh man i'm really excited for a bunch of new universal monster movies that aren't interconnected and now we're going to be disappointed (laughs) (laughs) well i don't know i guess it i guess it all depends what happens next uh interesting note that this was reported i guess i'll get the date because i don't know when it was um elizabeth banks essentially like right after uh, uh, um, what's that? Uh, Charlie's Angels bombed really badly. Like uh-huh. a few days later, it was announced that Elizabeth Banks was going to direct and star in The Invisible Woman for Universal. It's a script written by the person who wrote The Girl on the Train. Uh, uh-huh. Plot details are being kept under wraps, but sources says Banks's pitch is very different from The Invisible Man coming out, the one that just came out. Uh, there's no crossover potential. And that, like, it's not a Blumhouse movie. So, is this still happening? And if it is, like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I, I would love to actually see that because that's very much in the spirit of those old movies. Uh, you're going to see I'm going to bring them up as much as I can since I spend a bunch of hours watching them. Please. Uh, where all the sequels to those movies are, like, they kind of vaguely follow in, have you know, might have a character or two in common. But... They also they also completely stand alone and don't really have anything to do with each other, and that's true of their the old version of the Invisible Woman. So I do wonder, and that movie is sort of a kind of a romantic comedy, and I wonder if that's going to be the the idea here if they'll go in another direction. Um, <laughs> but I would, I mean, I'm sure that's probably not the smart play financially necessarily to do like another unrelated Invisible Man movie. But I like the idea of like these non-series series we're like yeah maybe you could do a series of invisible man movies that aren't all following the same plot and you could do a series of wolfman movies that aren't just like the wolfman the wolfman again here comes that wolfman a third time you know like right i think these things are pretty flexible and it would be very cool to see them like just kind of and this sounds like a sounds maybe more mercenary than i intend like to actually just like churn a bunch of these out like i'm i'm very in favor of there being like one or two Universal monster movies a year, and that they, I mean, if they cost them. sub ten million dollars, I mean, yeah, it's fucking, yeah, yeah. it's super like doable. Yeah. And I think if they follow the model that they're doing with this one, which is like find a talent 
and let them write and direct it. Uh, I, I love that. And it sounds like, I mean, that's just, I don't want to bad mouth. I hate bad mouthing a female director, but like Jesus, Elizabeth Banks sold Charlie's Angels to the studio based on her pitch. And it's like, I just don't know how that happened because like, it was just like, this is a, uh, a thing that was relevant you know, like even in 2000, that movie was like a stretch for people to like recognize as like a, a cultural touchstone. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that movie was a hit. And it's like they, that movie was a hit because of the stars of it, not because it was a Charlie's Angels movie. Right. So like right. the fact that they tried to do it again with like no stars and Kristen Stewart, it's like, what? Um, anyway. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I, I just don't know. Like, I, I'm assuming she had a good pitch for Universal if they bought it from her, just like they did for Lee Wannell. Or Lee Wannell, from my understanding, they actually went to him and said they wanted him to do it, and he was fucking thrilled. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think this is a very exciting time to be a fan of horror movies, especially Universal Monster movies. Um, and I don't... I, I reject your premise that people are mad about the Dark Universe not existing anymore. <laughs> because, <laughs> like, from what I remember... All I, I, I mean, the, the Mummy, I was going to say, the only one I've ever seen. That's the only one that exists. <laughs> um just like that scene where Russell Crowe as Jekyll and Hyde is being shoehorned into the universe. Just like, who is this movie for? That movie is not even a horror movie. It's like, it's supposed to be the action adventure movie that the Brendan Fraser one successfully was. Yeah. It's not. What I mean is that I think people were disappointed with the mummy as a movie, uh, because it was not, I, I actually don't have a huge problem with that movie. I thought the movie was like kind of dumb and enjoyable. It was a more, I would say, you know, I'll say this about it. It was more horror movie. I really expected them to just completely do, redo the Brendan Fraser mummy. Yeah. And I thought the. And instead um, they did Jake Johnson, but as the American werewolf in London ghost. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it did have Sophia Boutella, who I adore. Love her. Uh, Great in climax. Had, I had a very awkward uh, phone interview with her once about climax and but she's awesome i don't i hope she doesn't hold that against uh whatever <laughs> publication i wrote that for um and i thought she was an awesome i thought she was an awesome mummy actually i was like you know what i would see i would i would love to i think i don't know i think she must get killed in that or whatever but i i and cruises the mummy at the end of it but i was like into the idea of seeing her mummy in other movies but no I, I just think people were disappointed in the sense that i think there's a lot of people who are excited about the idea of more universal monster movies so it was disappointing oh, that I the see. mummy yes. sort of biffed on takeoff and, and then and that was that totally so i hope i mean what's next i think we're gonna get an we'll see what happens to the invisible woman i i i, I at, for, at first i was like well the invisible woman has to be connected to the invisible man but you've you've convinced me that uh yeah. it does not it doesn't, it can, this time it can be a serum it doesn't matter yeah um, totally um, I hope they, I, I'm actually kind of a fan of the Joe Johnston Wolfman, but that said, I feel like the Wolfman is the thing is the thing that I would really like to see in this model. Me too. I I, I don't hate that one just because it's so gory, uh, yeah. but it takes a while to get there, if I recall. Yes. Um, all right, I think we've talked enough about the Invisible Man. Um, I might take this week off because I don't think there's a horror movie coming out. And what? No horror movies coming out? I, I think it's the first time in a while. And usually, I, I would start a series. I want to start the Texas Chainsaw series. I think. Uh, just from the beginning, because I haven't done a series in a while. Um, but a week from this, uh, next next week is The Hunt, and I'm seeing that. I have a screening set up. Have you seen that yet? I have not. I think I so you going on that Monday the 9th. I feel like we're going yes. to the same. Yes, cool. I will <laughs> see you then. Yeah. And um, I will try. Uh, hopefully, I'm sure we'll be back to talk about it. Thanks uh, for having. Yeah. Thank you for doing it. Do you have anything to plug? Uh, you can check out sportsalcohol.com. That is the website I run. And then we have a podcast sometimes too. And uh, yeah, sportsalcohol.com. It's got a lot of goofy stuff.
Right on. Thank you so much, Jesse. And go see The Invisible Man in theaters yes. now. Bye. Death is not the end of the new flesh. Long live the new flesh. I was hoping you'd be back.